0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome to the APC podcast. Alex Batakis, Ben Foldy, and Zach Rapport. From a remote studio, he's not here with us at the CUNY School of Journalism, but he's ready to talk some trades anyway. A trade deadline edition of the show. We record this as the trade deadline has just passed. There are no more transactions being filed to the NFL offices somewhere in Midtown Manhattan. It is over, and the Packers have gotten rid of both Ty Montgomery and HaHa Clinton Dix. We're going to talk about both of those trades. Talk about the heartbreaking loss to the unbeaten Rams and whether or not the Packers contending with an unbeaten team, but then seemingly being sellers at the trade deadline, should lead us to believe that they're in it for the rest of the year or kind of punting on 2018. Uh, we're going to get to all of that coming up here on the APC podcast. Follow the show on Twitter at the APC pod. Follow us at Alex Patakis, at Ben Foldy, at Zach Rapport. So guys, we begin with a former first round pick. One of the league leaders in interceptions, I believe. Uh, maybe not any longer after not having one last week. Haha, Clinton Dix has been sent to the Washington racial
2: slurs for a fourth round
1: <laughs> draft pick. Your thoughts?
2: I don't really know what to make of this. I don't think it makes the team better in the short run. I'm not. I guess the real question is how much does it hurt it in the long run? And I don't feel qualified to answer that at the moment. I thought um, Jermaine Whitehead actually had a pretty good game on Sunday. I don't know if that strengthened their hand to deal. Haha. Um Kentwell Bryce looked fine. Uh Josh Jones made some plays on special teams. Maybe they're ready to put him in the game. Um I didn't you know, I think also they have such good depth in at cornerback at the moment that, you know, they might start moving pieces around a little more strategically. But I, I don't think the signal is this team is a is out of contention. And I don't I think that would be a bad read.
3: I agree with that. You know, Breeland is a guy that we haven't seen yet. I know he's a cornerback, but you talk about the cornerback depth. And uh, I do think that they'll start moving some pieces around. I mean, in a way, Patton's already been doing that. So, yes, technically the safety, quote unquote, position group uh, has been pretty light. But uh, all labels aside, there are still there are still players on that side of the ball.
1: Yeah, it's, it's weird because, I, I mean, Clinton Dix has been a very inconsistent player basically since his one really good season. He's, he's been good at times this year, but it's like the writing was on the wall. Like, his play aside, right, and inconsistencies and what the market might have demanded. Like, he already said this year that he's leaving, basically. Like, he, he had said in the media that he doesn't anticipate being in Green Bay any longer. So, like, to be able to get a fourth-round draft pick and now have two fourths and ten total draft picks in next year's, in the 2019 draft, I'm totally fine with that. And— like to think that they weren't anticipating some potential moves at the trade deadline during the bye week, I think would also be silly. Like the safety position is not one of great strength right now, but there's going to be a plan there. And a lot of people think moving Tremont Williams there is an answer. And granted, like, yes, he's old and sometimes an aging corner, just playing safety because they're a little bit slower. is isn't necessarily a great plan, but he's the most experienced player in Mike Pettin's defense, having played in it in Cleveland. Um, who knows the way Breland is going to fit it, like like Zach mentioned. So there, there's there's a plan there. There's got to be a plan there. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's indicative that they're punting on the season, however, because to if you gave up on the season after you almost beat and probably should have beat the only unbeaten team in football, that would be a ridiculous thing to do. Like, that, this does not show that whatsoever. Like, I don't understand how that's some people's read on this as if it's some fire sale where they're trading, like, all these great assets. It's guys who weren't going to be here any longer. This yeah. Second guy is Ty Montgomery. So they trade Ty Montgomery to Baltimore for, I believe it was a 2020, 2020 seventh round pick. draft pick, which is basically just like anybody, please take this guy for free. But we still don't want to release him because he would probably end up in New England. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and become like another, you know, potential Super Bowl MVP, James White esque, and also give the Pats some type of insight into the Packers already predictable offense. Um, going into a uh, a matchup with them on Sunday that the Packers very much need to win. But to get into this time Montgomery saga um, and them finally trading him today, um, what did you – I know, Ben, you were pretty fired up about this because there was – obviously there was the stuff in the Mike Silver piece where his teammates were pretty much just calling him out, calling him selfish, saying that it was a – he teammate. threw a tantrum. yeah. A teammate and a coach also was just not calling him out, but referencing how hot Aaron Rodgers was and seemed to be having fun in doing so, the way the quotes read, which I found very hilarious. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, because then he also made a joke about like, like, what would you expect from a Stanford guy? Um, But anyway, so we went from the silver piece where there's clearly some weird tension where some people are thinking that was a reaction to him being pulled off the field where he threw his helmet in frustration and, you know, was like wondering why he wasn't getting more reps at running back. Then Time Montgomery spoke to the media, and that is when I feel like, Ben, you soured on him completely, based on his reaction in the face of this entire thing.
2: I felt like his, like, all right, I'm just going to say this one time for anybody who happens to be listening and engages in this kind of behavior, which I don't think is probably in our listenership, but just in case, if you tweet death threats at a player at the end of a football game, you should stop watching football. Like, there's nothing here for you. Leave. And you should delete your Take Twitter. a step back. Yeah. Because like, the world
1: doesn't need to hear from especially
2: you. Especially <laughs> a weekend after, you know, all that nonsense. And I'm not going to go any more into that, but just don't do that. All that said, Ty Montgomery, as much as he doesn't deserve death threats, doesn't deserve anything like that, he should still take responsibility for what he did at the end of that game. And I saw no indication that he was doing that in the past two days. And he made himself, you know, he's like, oh, my teammates don't trust me now. It's, You know, it's like, no shit, they don't trust you. You just cost them, the like literally cost them a game against the best team in the NFL that the Packers had, you know, it was totally within the wheelhouse that the Packers could have won that game, should have won that game. I mean, I'm not going to go as far and be like, oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, just when he gets the ball with two minutes left, like he automatically wins. But, you know. That is not how that game should have ended, and I never saw Ty Montgomery take any responsibility for that. He didn't take, ha- you know, the closest he got was saying, oh, I thought I might have been out of the end zone. That's bullshit. If you don't know where you are, you shouldn't be on special teams. You know, like we have Trevor Davis, if we want someone who not, not know where he is when he's catching a ball. <laughs> who now
1: with Ty Montgomery gone and the Packers bring up roster back. spots is probably going to be on the 53 returning kicks
2: for this season. But I just saw no... Oh God. I saw no... Indication that he was going to take responsibility for that. I also saw no indication that the team like like that really went from zero to sixty in terms of toxicity very quickly. Yeah, and I think the Packers made the right move in just kind of washing their hands of it. I don't see a downside. I think you know Aaron Aaron Jones clamors of which there are many and they are correct. You know, will be happy that hopefully ties snaps go to Aaron Jones and make you know him more effective in both passing and rushing. But yeah, I mean I don't see there's there's no way that I like I did not want Ty Montgomery on the team and I'm usually pretty forgiving of right. Packers players for almost anything. And I feel like the Packers have been a team that it's always been that
1: way and it, they they kind of seem to be changing a little bit under Gutekunst where they're not really taking that shit.
2: There were people who wanted Tony Brown cut, you know. Well,
1: that's crazy. And I mean, that's
2: and that I'm like very much not on that. But Ty Mon- you you have to at least show that you know what you did wrong so you won't do it again. And Ty Montgomery wasn't showing that at all. He right. was only showing, like, I'm complaining about my playing time. I'm complaining about this. I've done this. I've done this. And it's like, yeah, okay, we get it. Look, everybody else is, Everybody else on the team is, like, frustrated, too. And you're not helping when you literally cost them a game against the best team in the NFL. Yeah.
1: I think the big takeaway—I mean, there was a couple of things. Like, uh, to summarize, so you don't want to read the whole quote and just sit here, because I'm sure a lot of people have either seen the video or read the quote themselves— uh, But Ty Montgomery, in short, like you said, did not like he said he made a split second decision to return the ball. It's not like it was seven yards deep in the end zone. So like, OK, he, he made a mistake. Guys fumble. OK. um, But he also then just basically deflected all blame and claimed that this whole thing about like him being frustrated was wrong. And but also admitted to being frustrated by saying like, well, I don't know what my role is. Yeah. So he's basically blaming the coaching staff for his reps at running back and not directly linking it to him making a mistake on the kick returns which makes me feel like everything that was in the silver piece like kind of makes sense. Yeah. And was totally fair for those that player to speculate and say like I think it was an act of frustration and a big like middle finger to the coaching staff.
2: I just watched the rewatched the game and you know the play that he freaked out after like he did not exactly like lay out to make a catch. Like he just dropped it. He did not look engaged. It was an important first down. Um And, you know, if if you want to be the guy, you have to make plays when you get a chance to be the guy. And Tom Montgomery wasn't doing that nine times out of 10. And then when he did get a chance to make a play, you know, he I guess really that shouldn't have been a chance to make a play. He should have just taken a knee like everybody in the world did the math in their head and was like, "Okay, take the knee. Get the stoppage of the clock with the two minutes. Right. Of course. Like there's no math here. There's no like next level chess.
3: Alex, to your point. As far as talking out of both sides of his mouth, you know, he's not the only player on the team that has been known uh, to do that. One is Clinton Dix, and they're both gone. So right. I think that's a little bit of, uh, you know, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but a little bit of a changing of the guard here with Gutekun saying, you know what, we're not going to tolerate that.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think it started with Demarius Randall. They were like, OK, enough of these guys who are liking like, stuff that are like that's negative about the Packers on Twitter or talking about how they should leave. Um, cause I saw that Clinton Dix was like liking things about him being traded like a while ago. He clearly wanted out. So get the hell out of here. Like if you don't want to play here and you don't want to be a part of a new regime and a team that's still got the best quarterback in football, fine. And for Montgomery, I would argue furthermore that just from a football perspective, and it's, this is days removed. Forget about how angry I was on Sunday that he robbed us of a chance to get another Aaron Rodgers game winning drive on the road in a great Packers friendly environment. Um, which would have been another amazing moment, like an iconic moment of the season to go beat an unbeaten team. Forgetting all of that, like, I think he, he, you could have argued that just not following instructions on special teams, the same way that Trevor Davis has basically just been demoted um, by sucking on special teams and like returning punts out of the end zone and things like that, that mistake alone warrants cutting. So like even before all this toxic stuff where it's very awkward in the locker room, I'm sure. And he's saying he can't trust his teammates. Um, who all they obviously stuff,
2: can't trust you. Who,
1: who can't trust him from a football perspective? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I think he. It would have if they would have released him on Monday before he had the opportunity to speak. I think that would have been totally warranted, and I, I think that it's fine if you're going to operate like a, okay, where I'm on the hot seat I, as a head coach, right? If McCarthy's that way, if gudekunz is like, well, I'm here to turn over this roster that's clearly been like lagging for years. Um, so you know, you're done. Like there's consequences for shit like that. Game,
2: mistakes that directly cost you a game, there should be consequences for it. Or you publicly take responsibility. Yeah, or, you right. know, it's like you have, it's not, you don't have to go out of town being, like, the bad guy. Yeah. But if you refuse to take responsibility and you're just clearly poisoning the locker room, Yeah. like, you have to go. I felt bad for him until I heard him talk, basically, but I still wanted him gone. And afterwards. like, and again, none of that is any sort of forgive you know there's no forgiveness or that makes it okay to threaten him and his family no, on twitter no, like no, no, that's no. a completely different discussion no, that is not even within the realm of like something that should be talked about on a football show and anybody who does that should be ashamed of themselves
1: good i um, yeah so i'm glad you're like hammering that home every time we say something critical of him because yeah. it's important well, to there's, realize there's, there's, there's definitely a huge some difference there. there's a
2: huge difference yeah uh, so
1: with the trade of Montgomery the packers 2015 draft class uh, There is no one on the active roster. Now, Jake Ryan is on IR, so he's still around. But the entire draft class, aside from good old Jake Ryan, is gone. If that's not a testament to Guta just inheriting a roster that he must have been less than thrilled with, then damn. Like, that's a This is a draft. I mean, this is three years ago when these are the guys that are supposed to be entering their prime, like, starting to play so well as they go towards their second contract, like their big payday. And none of them are here other than Jake Ryan. That's pretty astounding. Like, I wonder how many rosters around the league have nobody from a draft class three years ago.
3: And I think that there are some Packers fans who are, who are still, who want good to do more, who weren't satisfied with the offseason, think we didn't go far enough to turn over the roster. And I just think that that is just, it's, it's false. I mean, you just, you just talked about it with 2015, but so many of Ted Thompson's draft picks uh, are now out the door.
2: But, You know, I mean, maybe this is, you know, we've already kind of hinted on the L.A. game, but this is a good time to talk about how much, like, the draft class of 2018 showed out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. J.R. Alexander, man.
2: I mean, J.R. Alexander had an amazing game. Equinemius St. Brown and MVS continued, like, a pretty stellar rookie campaign as far as I'm concerned. I'm still, I'm like, every catch that that Equinemius St. Brown has is, like, technical perfection. It's, like, a perfect route and a perfect catch. (laughs) And I still think that he's like the jewel of
3: this draft class. Yeah. What they're getting out of those rookie receivers, I think, is is pretty remarkable when you consider what the learning curve is for rookie receivers coming into the league who who aren't like automatic all-stars. Yeah.
2: And then if you look at, I mean, really, this is like, I think this was Jair's coming out game for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, he's been good all season when active. And this was the first time I think
1: on a also like big time national stage they played some prime time games but going up against an unbeaten team the other two four thirty games were trash I feel like anyone who was watching football was watching that game unless you're a fan of the
2: Colts Raiders Niners or Cardinals and he bullied Brandon Cooks like and Robert Woods and I mean, Robert was, Woods and that's a team that's like both of those guys are like quote unquote wide receiver ones yeah and Kup is, too yeah and I didn't agree with much of
1: what Troy Aikman said on Sunday, but one thing I did agree with is I still think one of my favorite plays was when, again, on a wide receiver screen, he came up, took on a block, and then made the tackle for like a one or two yard gain. That stuff gets me so amped every time because he's not the biggest corner, but he certainly plays like a big physical
2: corner. His tackling and his angles on the ball are great, and actually my favorite play that of of for him all game that I just rewatched was actually a completion that was completed, but it was... uh, at 4.52, left in the game, it was third and three. Um, and Tremont Williams, it's like uh, Cooks, whoever the third wide receiver was, the guy who got the touchdown, um, and then they're in the slot, Cooks under the, the other guy. And then on the outside is, or Woods is in the slot, and then on the outside is Cooks.
1: Zach, you can't see this, but he's drawing the play on the,
2: on the whiteboard right now. <laughs> uh, Jair is on, on Cooks on the outside. And Tremont blitzes off the snap. So Jair is now suddenly responsible for three wide receivers. He gets a perfect jam on Cooks on the outside while still turning his head and looking inside. And so when Goff goes to Woods, I mean, this is a 12-yard completion, so it's not like an amazing play in terms of outcomes, but in terms of him limiting, like having demonstrating great jam at the line, great awareness, great tackling, all in one play, like he's the real deal. And and if you really want to see that all in one play, like sure his PBUs are great and he had like multiple good isolation coverages. But if you want to see like, wow, this guy can play and like be responsible for half the field and like give you confidence to free up a guy in blitz. Yeah, that's the play.
3: He's also probably a good swimmer if his uh, celebration leads anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes,
1: that was uh, that was awesome. Uh, asked to uh, describe the performance from Jael Alexander, I don't know if you guys saw this. This was McCarthy uh, said uh, that he would call it an alpha performance. That's what that was. Is what uh, McCarthy said, and I agree. Jai Alexander is an alpha.
3: Can you uh, can you do that
1: McCarthy voice? An alpha. Uh, whoa, that wasn't good. Alpha's a hard <laughs> word to say like Mike McCarthy. Alpha. Do you, <laughs> alpha.
2: <laughs> do you do you think that, alpha performance? Do you think Jair is the guy who talked to the press? I I don't even care if it was, man. That was a, I, mean, like, I think it'd be
1: cool if it was Aaron. <laughs>
2: no, it wasn't Aaron. <laughs>
1: Actually, it wouldn't be cool. I bet you Aaron Rodgers had like some like comforting words for Ty Montgomery. I think he's a great leader. Or that? Ty Montgomery Chermon, could be the Chermon, next Greg Chermon Jennings.
2: Was cited in the article. As the Ty
1: Montgomery is going to go on uh, first take or whatever, and he's going to be he's going to be, be saying what a bad leader Aaron Rodgers is because anybody who didn't get the ball enough apparently uh, ends up saying that when they leave Green Bay. What do
2: you expect from a Stanford guy?
1: Exactly. I want to know sure. what coach that was. <laughs> Uh, any guesses? Who could it be? Well, it would be a Cal Positional related coach. coach, right? Uh, no, because they specifically said this, this coach did not attend, uh, USC or Cal. Oh, okay. Um, do they have any other PAC 12 coaches? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so more on that game. I, I think it's worth talking about one, like the Packers covered. Uh, But also, were very competitive and should have won. And
2: the defense was fantastic. And the defense, while obviously allowing the drives that got them back into the game, they were kind of pinned back. Well, they did and they didn't though. Because if you like the last, the last points that LA scored was essentially a three and out. It's just that they got the ball on the forty. Like JK Scott, happy birthday! But that was chick hunt. (laughs) Hashtag Fire
1: Zook. Yeah, run Zook, get out of here. No, um, but uh, I mean, they hung with one of the best teams in football. We all agreed last week that they will be able to play with them. They did that. They have a game against the Patriots. I'm very excited for it because I love watching them get tested, and I feel like they're going to continue to respond. But I can't look past some coaching decisions, perhaps mishaps, on Sunday because I, I, this is one of those games that there's a lot of instances, right? There's a lot of other games where a, uh, where a wasting a timeout doesn't always come back to bite you. But to me, even though they should have had a chance to win this game, uh, without needing any timeouts really um, that extra timeout would have been really nice to have. And the Packers wasted a timeout in the weirdest way to me on a yeah. third and six trying to draw the Rams off sides, which still would have yielded third and one, which would have meant you still would have had to call a very, very important play. Like at some point, like I, I mean, I wonder if McCarthy just is like lacking confidence and unsure of himself and doesn't get a good play in, in time. And then it's just like, okay, kill it. Try to draw them off sides and let's think about um, you know, let's think about third and six and just get rid of a timeout. Like that, that drives me insane, man. <laughs> like, what is the reason for for that? Like, why do they waste more timeouts than any other team when they should be a team that's very, very decisive given who they have playing at quarterback and the freedom he has at the
3: line of scrimmage? Anyone have an answer? I have no answer. I mean, I wonder if some of it has anything to do with uh you know, trying to draw the other side off sides and how Rodgers in particular has been specifically very good at that in the past and we haven't seen as much success this year. So maybe some of that is at play, but honestly, like, I'm really reaching. I I don't know. I haven't seen Aaron
2: get a single drawing anybody off sides. I haven't seen any too many men on the field. I know they're trying to cut down on that. They're limiting that and they're
1: limiting the free plays. There was another play They're encouraging refs to blow the play dead on all, even on like encroachments or whatever on offsides like more this season.
2: There was another play though where the Packers couldn't figure out who they wanted on the field and the Rams couldn't figure out. Oh my god, that was a disaster they wanted on the field. And they got bailed out because the Rams I think ended the up Rams calling timeout. The Rams took a timeout, time but honestly that could have should have and could have been the Packers just as easily.
3: Yeah, that was lucky.
2: Like you're on offense, you yep. have the ball. You should know
3: what you personnel dictate. you want on
1: yep. the
2: field. Like you dictate and it's just like sometimes like Well, at least Ty Montgomery isn't going to be around to Complicate that part anymore,
1: yeah, I guess that's true, and like you said, maybe <laughs> I don't the think that side was on is, him but... is is we'll get some more Aaron Jones, who continues to shine, but that and then also like again, what can you call when you're backed up on your own one, and I understand you have no fullbacks on your roster though you do have some blocking tight ends, but single back up the gut against Sue and Donald on your own one yard line that's like <laughs> there there's a few things that I feel yeah. like I would have done before
2: that, but it's, what do I know? well, I, I mean it was funny, I saw Twitter freaking out about that, and I honestly can't remember a single play call that I've seen where a team is in that situation and doesn't run it up the middle on first down.
3: I also think that I, and I forget who it might've been McCarthy himself. I forget who I saw talking about this, but they basically said that the the offensive line, or maybe it was a running back. Someone, someone blew like a shift that would have led to the appropriate block. And that at the very start of the play, they had the blocks they needed, but the play didn't develop like it was supposed to. And that was a mental error hmm. on, on someone. But I mean, nonetheless, it is frustrating to see them kind of run it. I I mean,
0: (laughs) yeah,
1: it's look, I I think the, the easy thing to say is like, oh, if they execute, you know, it's not a bad play call. But there's also like something to be said about putting your players in a position where there's a high probability that they can execute. And there wasn't a lot of execution from Lane Taylor at spots in that game against Aaron Donald. And I can't necessarily blame him. But, like, just look at the matchup, man. like the interior of your offensive line versus the interior of their defensive line is not where I would be betting, but I did want to just win.
2: just to note rewatching, I did see some good creative use of like two tight end sets in terms of blocking and and opening up plays, even on plays that didn't work like they were they were thinking creatively about how to scheme stuff,
3: yeah, right, can, can I pose a question to you guys to kind of like put a bow on on the the topic in general of of this game, and that is. Um, you know, we, we had talked about on the show, what we need to see out of this game is not necessarily a victory, but like, come on McCarthy, just show me something. Do you, do you feel like we saw the something that we needed to see Alex? Uh, I don't, I mean, I, we might've seen some really good things,
1: but I also think there's just way too many of these recurring mistakes that can cost like against the Rams and coming up next week against the Patriots will cost you games. And I also think that they're like as great as their defense was in the first half this should have been a blowout. But, like, why does it always take until the fourth quarter for Aaron Rodgers to just start lighting it up? And it makes me feel like the, the script going into the game, as the more and more they stray from it, the better they are, which I think says something about your game plan. Like, and the fact that Aaron Rodgers is still taking shots in the media, like, I, that Mike, Mike Calls plays, I call them in two minute. everyone knows that. The area where we're really fucking good is when I have control, like, that still concerns me.
2: I will say I will be less pessimistic and say that I saw mostly what I wanted to see. Um, Still some errors, but not errors that I think are that outlandish for any football team to be making. Um, And I think this team is trending up rather than trending down. Per
3: usual, we're straddling all sides of the fences here at the ABC podcast.
2: <laughs> like I, I, I think we played the Rams as well as anybody else did this season, and that's not a victory in itself. But it is, I think, long term if this team gets better, which they should be. They're getting healthier, they're playing together more. Patton is, you know, getting a sense of what works and what doesn't. Like I, I think this team's in the right direct, going in the right direction. I think if if you know a fluky crappy play at the end of the game goes another way we're having a much different conversation about whether or not we saw what we wanted to see and i think taking that into account is like fair and and looking at the game as a whole is uh yeah not bad yeah mr reasonable
1: ben foldy can't help it i don't know i it's just the pressure continues to mount i need i need more from mccarthy i need like i want to yeah but the
2: vikings lost too
1: like like they're not like Choking away the division or anything? No, they're still in it for the for the season. But like, it doesn't mean that like just because the other teams continue to kind of dwell and be mediocre doesn't mean the Packers should get like comfortable. I don't know. I I I'm just shocked at like he should clearly be feeling the heat. And maybe he's more he's very confident in himself. But like on game day, like just be more confident. Like make a fucking play call on third and six. Um. Anyway, I thought that was uh that was pretty maddening. Uh, I will say though, Mike Pettin, pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like basically owned Sean McVay for 30 minutes, which is, considering the personnel that's out there, that's 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 pretty damn good. I don't know what I will get more excited about, physically aroused by watching replays of that uh, that eight man blitz was it uh, a couple of weeks ago when the game was like on the line when they with when they basically just set the Bethard. house or seven yeah. man blitz yeah with with uh, CJ Beathard or watching back that Jair Alexander two handed jam. When then Whitehead, I think it was Robert Woods, then Whitehead jammed Robert Wood, like Woods. Like Woods's like head was like all over the place yeah. and rattled, and then he dropped the ball in pretty good coverage because he clearly got jacked up. That was uh, that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. That's the stuff that Mike Daniels has been craving for a really long time. Anyway, it's time to move on to the Patriots, who will be coming off of a short week after they beat the Bills in Buffalo. We're going to talk about that game, Brady versus Rogers, just the second time we get that, and probably the last time. Uh, with Jay Soderberg, uh, he's going to join us to talk about his pats coming up in a couple of days. So stay tuned for that at the APC pod on Twitter at Alex Patakis at Zach Rapport at Ben Foldy and uh, the APC podcast at gmail.com is where you can get us. Also, uh, please, if you listen to the show and you subscribe to the show, just go to your iTunes, maybe leave another review. There was a transition uh, and many of our reviews are now gone because of a platform change. So even if you have reviewed the show in the past, particularly those of you who left very kind words for us, maybe you could do it again. We'll copy and paste um, action. That would certainly, uh, certainly be helpful. Anyway, stay tuned. Uh, we'll have Packers Pats Talk coming up right here at the APC Podcast.